Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. In 1938, there was a radio broadcast before the days of television, obviously before the days of internet, there was radio broadcast and often Americans would sit around the radio, sta- the radio sets and listen. This was, you say, were you part of that era? No, I was not. I was part of the, the television era. But in 1938, Americans would often sit around their, their uh, radios and listen. On October 30th, a Sunday night, they broadcast a radio theater production by Orson Welles called The War of the Worlds. And The World of the Worlds was a science fiction story that Orson Welles had turned into almost like a news broadcast with news bulletins. And so if you tuned into it, if you didn't catch the very beginning of it, you don't realize that they said this is a work of science fiction. So people are listening in and it sounds like an invasion, an invasion by Martians. And the Martians had like a heat ray and they had poisonous gas. And as people were listening in, they, uh, they said the, the, the phone lines began to light up. Now, this was in the days when they had those switchboards. And they said the switchboards just lit up as people were calling in to make sure that the Martians weren't invading. But often, they said a lot of people thought it was the Germans because this was right around the World War II beginnings and Germany was really making some aggressive moves. And, and so people were afraid. And, and people were, I'm, I'm sure people were running out to the to their uh, grocery stores and buying up all the toilet paper. I don't know, there was a, (laughs) but there there was, now when the newspapers got a hold of it, they said there was a major panic and that people had committed suicide and that people were driving their cars off into ditches and the ditches were filled and there were mobs in the streets. What's interesting is if you you just read uh, up until recently, that's what everybody thought, but it didn't happen. You see, the radio, radios were coming in. They were siphoning off advertising dollars from the newspapers, and the newspapers were ticked off at radio, so the newspapers blew it up and wanted to make radio a bad source of, of news information. We think we're living in the day of fake news. It's been around a long time, guys, and they were going against one another. But here's what's interesting. If you have wrong information, you can have the wrong response. Wrong information creates wrong reactions. Now, I'm going to do a series. I want to start a series called, What Kind of God? What kind of God do you serve? What kind of God? And this morning, I want to talk about God is good. Now, if you've been in church a while, maybe you, you, you know that. If I ask most people in church, say, would you believe God's good? Oh, yeah, oh, God's good. I don't want you to... I don't want you to turn me off. I don't want you to just go click, okay, God's good, I'm not doing that. How many of you know that you can know something, but then you can know it in a greater depth? Well, how many of you know if you're married that you still find out things about your spouse that you did not know? And it would surprise you. We were married 38 years when Joy looked at me one day and said, I don't like cooking. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? You're Italian, you, you love to cook. And she's a she's a very good Italian cook. Everything else, mm. but Italian, she can kill it. And uh, she said, "No," she said, "I don't like cooking, and I never have." 
we've been married 38 years and now you're telling me this, you don't like? I have found out in the last two years that she is right. She does not like cooking. <laughs> I never knew that. And so sometimes you think you can know something, but you know, when it comes to God and it comes to spiritual things, we don't know near as much as we could. And so we keep learning. I believe this is Alan's opinion that we'll keep learning throughout the ages, that we won't stop learning. Because the Bible said throughout the ages to come, God is going to continue to show his goodness to us. So we're going to think we've seen it all. And God said, oh, you think you've seen it all? Watch this. And we're all going to go, ooh. It's, we're going to be amazed. God is good. But how you perceive him and what you believe about him will determine how you respond to him. You see, there's a lot of people right now, their perception of God is he's non-existent. He's not real. There is no God. They'll say things like, well, prove to me there's a God. Well, actually, the, the scriptures say, well, you can walk outside and look around and determine that there's a God. You can see the mountains. You can see the oceans. You can see the skies. You can see this world we're living in. You can take a deep breath of oxygen that is good for you, and you can go, there is a God. He created all this. Creation screams, there's a God. But you don't have to believe that. You can believe he's non-existent, and to you, he will be. How about some people serve a, a very vindictive, angry God? There used to be a television show in the 70s where the, the big byline of them was that God's going to get you. And a lot of people feel like that. God's vindictive. He's, he's going to get you. There was a, in Mississippi a few years ago, there was a, a, a courtroom, small Mississippi town, and uh, Mr. Smith called Mrs. Jones to the witness stand. Mrs. Jones got up there. She moved slow. She was a grandmother, a very sweet grandmotherly kind. She sat down, said hello. And uh, Mr. Smith said, Mrs. Jones, do you know me? And she smiled. She said, well, yes. Yes, Mr. Smith, I know you. I've known you since you were a boy. And quite frankly, you've been a huge disappointment to me. <laughs> See, you, you, you lie, you, you cheat on your wife, you manipulate people, and and, uh, and then you talk about them behind your back. You think you're, you're a big shot, but you don't have enough brains to realize you're no more than a two-bit paper pusher. Yes, I know you, Mr. Smith. <laughs> the, the attorney was so stunned, he didn't know what to do. So he just, he just he said, he pointed to the defense attorney. He said, Ms. Jones, you know the defense attorney? She said, oh, yes, Mr. Bradley. I, I've known Mr. Bradley since he was a youngster, too. And he's also been a huge disappointment to me. He... <laughs> He's lazy, he's bigoted, he's got a drinking problem, can't develop a normal relationship with anybody, got one of the worst law firms in the state, not to mention he's cheated on his wife with three different women. Yes, I know Mr. Bradley. <laughs> well, the judge is just having to, because the courtroom is blowing up, and he's, he's banging his gavel, and finally he motions for both attorneys to approach the bench, and he leans down in a quiet voice. He said, if either of you clowns ask that old woman if she knows me, I will send you to the electric chair. <laughs> Aren't you glad we serve a God who's not vindictive and angry and remembers all the stuff that we did wrong? But some people serve a God like that, and it hangs over their head. Some people serve a God who's indifferent and detached. Oh, yeah, he created the world, gave it a spin, and let go. He's inapproachable, detached. How you perceive him is how you respond to it. See, I believe what the scriptures say. I believe God's good. Hebrews says this. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Two things we have to believe about God. We have to believe he's real. People say to me, well, prove to me that God's real. It's not going to happen. You don't have to prove. I'm not gonna, God's not going to prove himself. The Bible said, if you're going to come to him, you're going to believe he's real. See, there's a lot of us that believe he's real. That believe he created the heavens and the earth. That believe he's a good God. That believe he's not only is he real, but he is a rewarder of those. In other words, he'll be good to those who diligently seek him. And if he's a rewarder, that means he will respond to me. If, if I reach out to him, if I seek God, he'll respond to me. You've got to believe he's a rewarder of those. And how you, what you believe about him will determine how you respond to him. When uh, Matt was a baby, we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Joy had a thyroid problem and had to take a radioactive uh, iodine. And she had to take some, it was radio, anyway, I, all I know is the doctor came out and he looked at us and said, for the next 24 hours, he said, you need to keep Joy away from the baby. He said, you don't need to hug her. You don't need to kiss her. You just need, you need to stay away. He said, I said, we live in the same place. He said, that's okay, just, just stay away. Don't, don't, let her, don't let her touch the baby. Well, I looked at Joy. She was not green. There was no glow coming off of her. She didn't, she, I wasn't seeing her set off Geiger counters. If you, if you went close to her, you wouldn't hurt. All I believed was that the doctor said, she's radioactive, stay away. It was invisible, but we believed it. So for the next 24 hours, Joy would come. She's about ready to pick up the baby. I'm like, no, 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 I got him. She'd come to give me a hug. I'm like, no, 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 stay away. And so what are we doing? We're responding to her, even though we couldn't see it, even though we couldn't feel it, we believe she was radioactive, so we acted accordingly. Just because you can't see or feel God does not mean he's not real. What we believe is what is written, and what is written is he is good, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So we act on something that we don't necessarily see and feel. We believe he's good. If you believe he's good, you'll begin to respond to him that way. You'll begin to see his goodness in your life. There were two men in the Bible who were pursuing a Jesus who they believed was good. Let's read the story here in Matthew. Jesus departed from there. Two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe I'm able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. When Jesus, when their, and their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it, but when they departed, they spread the news about him and all that country. Two blind guys. It would have been very understandable that these blind guys had, had believed that Jesus really wouldn't do anything good for them. You have to understand that in the Jewish culture, if you had a physical deficiency, if you were blind, if you were lame, if you had leprosy, any problem you had, it, you also had to deal with the fact not only did you have that problem, but society thought that it was your fault. That either you sinned or your parents sinned, and that's why you're in that condition. And so the religious people would, would shun them, and people would, would stay away from them, and they weren't treated with dignity at all. And so it would have been very easy for them to think, well, Jesus isn't going to do anything for us. I mean, we can, we can cry out, but What's going to happen to us? The religion had already turned them down, but they obviously had heard something different about Jesus. They'd obviously heard that this Jesus was different, that he was good, that this Jesus would make the Pharisees mad because he challenged them, because he treated women right, 
because he treated lepers with dignity, because he raised the dead and healed blind eyes. They begin to hear things about Jesus. Remember, they're blind. They've never seen a miracle in their life, but they begin to hear that this Jesus was good and that he was the Messiah. That's that term, son of David. Son of David, son of David meant you're going to be the next king. You're going to be the one that reigns. And they begin to call him son of David. Have mercy on us. And they believed not only could he heal blind eyes, but that he would. They heard something different about Jesus, and so they responded differently because they could have been derailed by what happened next. So here they are, they're yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But the Bible never indicates that Jesus stopped. It said they followed him yelling out, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, that could have derailed them right there. They could have thought, oh yeah, yeah. Could have looked, well, they wouldn't look at one another, but they could have said, hey, hey, that's, that's, just, that's just like a preacher, you know. He's a big shot. He won't listen to us. You know, if there'd been a, if there'd been a uh, smartphone, somebody would have done a, a viral video of Jesus walking away and these two blind guys yelling, have mercy on us. They could have easily been derailed by that and thought that Jesus didn't want to help them. But they heard something just different about Jesus and they believed that Jesus was good. So they kept coming. So they kept trying to reach him. And the Bible said when Jesus went in the house, they had to go in the house. You think, well, okay, big deal. Not if you're blind. If, if, I, if, if you're fairly new here to the church and I blindfolded you, I mean, you couldn't see anything. And then after church was out, I said, find the West Lobby, I'll meet you there. Well, it's going to be difficult. You're going to be walking out going, where's the West Lobby? People a lot of people go, I don't, I don't know, it's on the map. I can't see the map. And so you're walking around trying to find. It's not like they could see the house and walk into the house. They had to find the house. Where's the house? Where's Jesus? Where's the house? Oh, he's going into the house. I mean, you just don't walk in someone's house. But these blind guys thought, no, he's good. We're going in the house. And they went in the house and, it, and no one helped them. There's no indication that anybody, oh, here's some blind guys. Let's help them get to Jesus. Everybody's trying to get to Jesus. And so they go in and they... They finally, they finally get there and they find Jesus. Remember, they believe he's good. If you believe he's good, you're going to walk in the house. If you believe he's good, you, you're going to walk up. And, and Jesus, so they, they show up, they're probably smiling. And Jesus said, you believe I'm able to do this? Great answer. Yes, Lord. That's all they said was, yes, Lord. And Jesus said, as you believe, so be it done. Their faith, what they believed about Jesus, had something to do with their miracle. And they received their sight. And, they, and man, then Jesus warned them. He's turned, he said, guys, don't tell about this. Now, I've heard, read people think, oh, Jesus was practicing reverse psychology. I don't think Jesus used reverse psychology. I think Jesus was telling them, don't tell anybody about this because everywhere he went, he would get stopped and he couldn't move. They said one time there were so many people coming and going, they didn't even have time to eat. They had to get away to a deserted place and then people would follow them there. You don't realize the pull that was on Jesus. And so Jesus is like, okay, look, I, I'm, I'm glad you're healed. Don't tell anybody about it. They ignored that big time. Don't you know they walked out? They walked out. They're seeing for the first time. They're walking out and someone goes, hey, hey, you look like those two blind guys that used to beg. And they're like, yeah, we were. We ain't blind anymore. He said, well, what happened? The other one said, Jesus, 
Jesus did it, man, Jesus. He healed me. I we just we were there, we went saw him and he just said, Yes, and be here, we're here, we're here. God, we can see you. I can see you. You look good. Everybody looks good today. Everything looks good. And they're so excited. And they could not help but tell what Jesus had done. Oh, I wish we could get back to that place so we could begin to tell people what Jesus has done for us because he's been good. And if he's healed you or if he's saved you or if he's done anything, we, we ought to at least be happy about it. And you know what they weren't worried about? They weren't worried he was going to take it away. If they were worried he was going to take it away, they'd have never told anyone. They told everybody, Jesus did something wonderful for me but they believed he was good. When you believe God's good, it'll cause you not to be so impacted by your deficiencies. You know, a lot of times I, I talk to people and we are, so, we are so cognizant of all of our faults and failures and shortcomings. I've done this and I've done that and I've done this and, and just constantly repeating these things. Listen, guys, it, it wasn't our goodness that brought salvation to us. It was God's goodness that brought salvation. Paul was writing to Titus and, and he was writing, he, he was telling Titus and basically he's telling Titus, tell people to be merciful for we ourselves also were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice, envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad? Listen, it wasn't based on my goodness or your goodness. It was based on God's goodness that he provided salvation and all we had to do was go, I receive that. I believe that. And so what that does is if we realize how good God is, it makes it easier for us to stop focusing on how bad we are. Thinking about how bad you are is not going to help you. We need to be able to move past that. And if you begin to realize God is really good, then it makes it easier to rebound when you fall, when you sin, when you mess up. Man, we need to not run from God. We need to run to him. 1 John 1, 9 is a favorite verse of mine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Have you ever had anybody that would come to you and said, man, I am so sorry, I messed up. Would you forgive me? And you go, yeah, yeah, I forgive you. And then you see them the next day and they're like, man, I am so sorry that I messed up. I am so sorry that I did that. And, and you're like, no, it's okay, I forgave you. But then they see you the next day and they go, I am so sorry that I messed up. After a while, you can look at them and go, stop apologizing. I forgave you. Forget it. Move on. Do you realize when we come to the Lord and say, Lord, I am sorry I missed it. The Bible said he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Stop talking about it all the time. Just thank him for his goodness and your forgiveness. Matt's here on the front row, so I get to tell stories about him. So we're, we're eating dinner. One time, Matt's about eight or nine years old. We're eating dinner. We sat down. We'd rung the bell. He, he would play outside all day, rang the bell. He didn't come in, so we sat down, began to eat, and all of a sudden, he's up on the deck, and he's, and he's looking in to the plate glass window. He's covered. He is filthy. I don't know what he's been in, but he is just like, there's mud, and he would go through the sewers, and it's just, he, he, looks, he looks nasty. We looked at him and went, that's not my child. Keep eating. No, that's not what we, that's not what we did. What we did was, 
I walked outside. I said, okay, take him off. So he stripped down to his underwear and I got the hose and I hosed him completely down. And then Joy brought a towel out and dried him off. He got some clothes on and sat down at the table. He's our child. Listen, when you sin, don't avoid God. Don't run from God. Run to him. And then you go, Father, I am so sorry. I missed it. I missed it again. I know it's about the 400th time and I missed it. And he goes, that's all right, darling. Let me just wash you with the blood of Jesus and you are now completely cleansed. And once, and once you're cleansed, there's no sense in, in reminding him of all the places that you've missed it when you know how good he is. Receive his forgiveness and keep moving. But when you know he's good, it's easier to do. When you know he's good, it's easier not to quit. You make adjustments, but you keep seeking him. Now listen, all of us have experienced prayers we didn't get answered, things that have happened to us that haven't been good. There's people and people have their own will. There is a fallen world that we live in and bad things happen. And we cannot forget, guys, that we have an enemy, a spiritual enemy. His name is Satan. One of the biggest problems that people have with God is they believe he was responsible for all the evil that's in the world. That is not the truth. The truth is Jesus said it talking about Satan. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Listen, if, you, if in your theology you say, well, I'm educated. Being educated does not mean you have spiritual sense. I'm going to say that one more time. Being educated does not mean you have spiritual sense. Because this is of the heart. It's not a matter of intellect. I'm all for being educated. I need attorneys and accountants who are educated. I need doctors who are educated. But when it comes to spiritual things, you can be a genius and spiritually know nothing. And so we have to understand, well, I don't believe that there's a devil. If you do, it's a lot easier to reconcile all the negative, evil, horrible things that take place in the earth. And you realize your heavenly father is not the source of that. It is the enemy. And one day there's going to be a big angel coming, going to lock him up and throw him into a pit. And we get to stand by the side and go, yay, because I am not going to be shedding a tear for him. I'm like, yay. Hope you stayed there and burn. There is evil. There is things. But here's the deal. If you believe God's good, you won't quit. You'll adjust. I didn't get my prayers answered, Alan. Don't quit. Don't throw up your hands and go, it doesn't work. Don't quit. Keep seeking him. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. But look at it, what it says. Paul was talking to, you know, actually, the writer of Hebrews. Some people think it's Paul. He said, don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward. If you have need of endurance, after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Your confidence, oh, your confidence that God is good will make all the difference in the world. Here's another Matt story, but actually he was too young to have done anything. We, uh, Joe and I were married in April, 1982. We had Matthew in September of 1983. I've done the math, it checks out. Don't worry about it. So <laughs> as we, we were, we, man, Joy had lost her job. I was in Bible school, working full-time retail. We were not making enough money. We were struggling financially. We weren't eating well. And, and Joy's uh, mom and dad, and then my parents called. They said, why don't you come to North Carolina for Christmas? Matthew is the first grandchild on both sides. The first grandchild on both sides is a money magnet. It, just like a money hoover. It, just, it sucks money out of grandparents' pockets, man. It just works. And I knew 
that if we went home for Christmas, it was going to mean money and food. We're going to eat right. It was going to be good. Joy's mom's coming and dad was coming. They've always been generous. My parents have been good. Man, I'm so ready to go home. We get ready to leave the next morning. We open, we're in Tulsa. I open the, the, the window. Look, at it is snowing like crazy. I'm not talking about that Texas snow. I'm talking about a big snow. And there's snow all over the place. The snow's still coming down. And Joy looked outside. She said, oh no, what are we going to do? I, I pointed at him. I said, wrap him up. And we wrapped that boy up. <laughs> Man, we wrapped him up so tight, we almost had to break him to put him into his, his car seat. And we got in it, and I had a Reliant K car, ugliest car ever made and underpowered, but it would go in the snow. And we were going all the way to North Carolina. They were shutting the highway down behind us. I had to talk to state troopers to allow me on I-40. But man, I'm going, because there's money there, and there's food there, and we're going home. It's going to be good when I get home. And we got there. But let me ask you this. What if I knew that going home was going to mean conflict and pressure and they were going to hammer us about going to Bible school and it was going to be difficult and we weren't going to walk away there for money. We're going to walk away with nothing good. And I would have looked out that window and went, whew, it's snowing. Hey, sorry guys, can't come. It's snowing. Because I didn't believe there was anything good on the other side. Listen, life is going to throw curves. Things are going to happen. But this is not where we throw up our hands and lose our confidence that God is good. When we know that God is good, we look outside and go, yeah, there's a lot of things happening, but I know he's a good God and I'm staying with him. And if I stay with him, I know it's going to turn out good. I trust him. And when you trust that he's good, it, it changes how we respond to him. Right information, right response. And then here's, here's the last one. If, if we're going to do this, we have to dare to believe. And this is what you have to do. You have to dare to believe that God will be good to you. Personally. You. Not me. Not Justin. Not Joy. You. That God will be good to you. I've said it for years. When you make it personal, you make it powerful. When you believe that God is good to you. It would be good for you to say that tonight. When, right before you go to bed, you all look in the mirror and go, God's good to you. God's good. He's good to you. you. Say, well, I, I don't know if I can believe that. Well, try this. What then shall we say to these things? If God's for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Man, there's no one more for you than God. There's no one more on your side than God. And we don't. Now, if maybe you've heard these harsh or mean or maybe you've had bad experiences, I, I would encourage you to go back and look at what the scriptures say about him. Not what your feelings say, not what other people say. What do the scriptures say about him? Because they say he's good. And whether you see it or feel it, this is what we believe. And because we believe it, this is how we begin to respond to him. And let me tell you something too. As God begins to do good things in your life, don't stay quiet about it. Tell somebody. The Lord helped us. The Lord's done something. Oh, you have an amazing marriage. Oh, no, the Lord helped us. Oh, you're awesome. No, no, no. <laughs> the Lord's been good. Oh, you're just brilliant. No, no, no. I'm not nearly as brilliant as you think I am, but I've got someone who is helping me and he's good to me. Don't be afraid or ashamed to tell how good God's been. President Thomas Jefferson was on a, a trip by horseback and they were crossing some parts of the country, him and his companions, and they reached a, 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 a bridge or what was to be a bridge, but the, the, the river had flooded and it had just washed out the bridge. It was completely washed out. 
Jefferson stood, once, stood back and a couple of people passed and they found a passage, but they were really having to fight the currents to get across. There was a man who was standing. He wasn't part of their, their traveling group. He was standing by and he was watching. And he walked over and he, he tapped President Jefferson on the boot. He said, sir, can I have a ride across the river? Without hesitation, Jefferson said, sure. Helped him up and the man got on the horse behind him and Jefferson took him across and they got safely to the other side. When they got to the other side, the, the, there were some of Jefferson's companions and they looked at this guy and they went, how is it that you decide to ask the President of the United States to take you across the river? Why didn't you ask one of us? And uh, the man said, he said, sirs, I did not know that he was the President of the United States. He said, all I knew was this. When I looked on your faces, I saw a no. When I looked on his face, I saw a yes. He said, I needed a yes face. When God looks at you, how does he look at you? In your mind's eye, when you think of God looking at you, is he mad? Is he disappointed? Is he disgusted? Is it a no face? Or when God looks at you, is it a smile? Is it a yes face? Is it, is it a look of love? Is it a look of someone who's really, really good? I believe it's a look of yes. His yes is good. He said all the promises in Christ are yes and amen. We, thank God we've got a yes God. And when he looks at you and you say, Lord, would you save me? He says, yes. Lord, would you heal me? Yes. Lord, would you give me wisdom here? Yes. He's got a yes face so we can ask him because he's a good, good God. Would you bow your head for a moment? As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, please, no one leaving. We'll be out of here in just a couple of minutes. But if you came today or maybe you're watching online, you say, Alan, I, I don't even know if I have a relationship with the Lord. I'm not sure. And I want to be. Or maybe you're like I was. I served the Lord and then I fell away, got so far away from him. And I recognized, man, I need to come back. I need to come back to the one who'd be better to me than anybody else. Set your bowed and eyes are closed. We're going to say a prayer. Not going to have you stand up or come to the front, but we're going to pray. And if that's you and you say, Alan, would you pray for me? I, I would like to be part of this prayer. Just real quickly, slip your hand up across this auditorium and say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Yeah, way in the back too. His hands have gone up all over. Anybody else say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Great. Thank you. You can slip your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand and thought, I missed my chance. You didn't. This is a heart prayer. We're going to, God sees hands. He sees hearts. We're going to pray this prayer with you as a church family. You pray it out loud. We're going to join you. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ. Because I said yes to you. It's still bowed and eyes are closed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer, for those who have stepped out of darkness into your light spiritually, for those who have come back home. We rejoice with them. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you that in the, the weeks and days ahead, you'll continue to reveal just how good you are and how good you are to us. We appreciate that so much and give you all the praise. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.